Welcome to Story Comic Presents, where we interview amazing storytellers and artists. This is episode 232. I'm your host, Barney Smith of StoryComic.com, and we're excited to have back with us for a fifth time the award-winning and internationally celebrated author, Amy Lawrence. Hi. Amy. How it you doing? is lovely to be here. Thank you so much for having me back, especially for a fifth time. I'm uh, very excited to be in this exclusive you, club. Thank you. <laughs> I know, the five-timers club. You made it. Cool. Yeah, see? Yeah, That's cool. exciting. So we got to we, so you've had some books that come out since the last time we talked, you know, with your with uh, with Inkprint Press and some of your inklets. And then you also have uh, a book that came out called April Showers, which we'll talk about. Um, but first, I wanted to kind of touch base with you because we've never talked on a December before. And I wanted to ask you about and I love this. I don't know if you remember you said this in a previous interview. You hate New Year's resolutions. You prefer the term business plans. So do you remember, do you remember that when you said that? I don't, but it makes sense. And it's really interesting that you brought that up because I have actually just decided this week that I'm going to take a completely different approach to my goals slash business plans slash whatever you want to call them for next year. Um, and I was actually just talking about this last night with a writer friend of mine. So yeah, that's really interesting that you bring that up as like the first port of call. So yeah. <laughs> so I guess normally the reason that I would like steer away from goals particularly and go more for a business plan is that I find the business plan overall to be a little bit more higher level and strategic in its approach mm. rather than just like, what am I going to get done? It's more like of an overarching like what areas do we need to focus on and those sorts of things. Um, and I've been doing a lot of work this year as well to really upskill myself in that strategy and the strategic type thinking as well for the business. But interestingly, where I got to this year off the back of some of the coursework that I've been doing and some conversations that I've been having and also just taking a really hard look at where I am mentally and emotionally right now as well is that I am foregoing any kind of goal or business plan next year. Um, and the plan for next year is literally to just go with the flow and see what happens. Okay. So, yeah, trying a new approach. We'll see. So so what's your, what's your plan on this? What, what what do you hope to get out of just kind of going with the flow instead of having a very specific business plan in place? So since I was on here last, I have had a very epic career change. Um, I'm no longer <laughs> a high school teacher. I now have a very, you know, stable nine to five desk job. Um, and it has been a really interesting transition for me. Um, mm. There's been a lot to unpack in terms of, you know, my my work habits, my mental habits, my thought patterns, all those sorts of things. Um, and as part of that, it really came to my attention just how exhausted I was. Um, mm. The reason that I started looking for a new job earlier this year is that despite having started the year off in January, February, really excited about a new way of approaching um, my strategy and my thinking and my goals on a weekly basis even, um, let alone the whole year, it really quickly became apparent to me that, I mean, I, I guess what happened is that I finally realized after trying for so long that I can't, no matter how well I organize my time, I can't actually teach, write, run a business and be a parent all at the same time. You know, one right. of these things had to give and I was, I was 
tired. I was tired to the point, and it's it's really interesting looking back because I was so tired that I didn't even realize how tired I was. Um, the fact that the Christmas holidays last year, so as a teacher, I was getting six weeks of holidays off over Christmas. It took me four weeks to actually even be able to pick up a laptop and start mm. engaging with writing and things like that. Whereas normally for me, that's my peak work time in the business because that's the six weeks where I don't have homework. Whereas the other school holiday periods, I do have homework and I'm still doing schoolwork for those two week periods. Yeah. And then to get through term one through through February, March, it got to the point where I was actually having to go out to my car a couple of times a week and have a nap during free periods just to actually physically get through the day because I was just that tired. And so that's what really prompted the thinking about a career change and a couple of other things happened at the same time that really to me just felt like signs from I would say signs from God but signs from the universe or you know whatever whatever works for your belief system I just really felt like this was the time that I should be looking um and I kind of had in the back of my mind I'm like okay maybe I'll just I'll see out this school year and then in 2023 I'll look for something after that Christmas holiday break and God slash the universe had other plans because it was just like bam 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 and it was like I happened to mention it to a friend and my friend was like our area is looking for people and I submitted like one application and had one interview and it was literally I have all of the dates in my diary highlighted because it was I felt like it was emotional whiplash because it just happened so fast it was seven weeks almost the day from saying maybe I should start thinking about a new career to oh my gosh I just accepted a job offer it was huge and like I said real emotional whiplash to have changed that dramatically in that short a time and so I came out of teaching knowing that I would need to spend the second half of this year um, aggressive rest was my phrase because I'm very good at overbooking my time and so I was like now nah, I've got to actually just go at this and be like now nah, I've got to actually aggressively focus on rest because otherwise I know me I'm just going to fill it up with all sorts of other things and you know I'm just going to end the year as tired as I started it and I guess it's just been I called it the onion of tiredness to a friend the other day and it's like every time I've peeled back a layer on that tiredness I'm like oh my gosh there's just more tiredness underneath and so I'm actually just about at the end of a really great course that Hilary Rushford who's my one of my business mentors um, she actually just released a course on healing burnout Um, that started six weeks ago and so I'm working my way through that as well and yeah it really just became apparent to me a couple of weeks ago that while the work that I've done has been good and useful and helpful it's just a first step and that Mm. if I'm not really careful about continuing to rest for another six to 12 months and really consciously letting my mind and body heal then I'm just going to be limping forward through the future you know and it's better to just take that break and really really double down on resetting and re and resting and then start fresh and go again from there so that paired with a few other things um together are what sort of crystallized that idea this week that well maybe next year i'm just not going to set specific goals and i'm not going to set specific business plans like i i know from all this work that i've been doing what the priority areas are in our business i know the projects that we're wanting to wrap up i know you know, there's a couple of new projects waiting in the wings as well. So I have, it's not that I have no ideas and I have, it's it's absolutely nothing. It's just, I'm not going to commit to anything and I'm definitely not going to put a time frame on anything because Mm. 
you know, my response to this in early December was, okay, I'm, I'm clearing my calendar for three months. I'm wiping December, January, February, everything I was planning to do. I was planning to have a release in January, February. I'm like, nope, push all of that back. And just today, this morning, I'm, I'm looking through my calendar going, yeah, no, this is not that I've cleared my calendar and now I'm going to have nothing to do for December, January, February. This is, I've, cleared, I've pushed everything back to March and I think it's actually going to take me that long just to wrap up the things that I'm actually already doing, you know? So trying to learn to give myself a lot more space to do that and be juggling less so that I can be more effective and be more intentional and not be constantly running myself to the ground, you know? Right. Yeah. Now, do you, I, I'm kind of curious about this too. Do you feel as though, because you are in essentially, you know, I, I would call like an overachiever because you have so many projects, you're doing so much and it's almost to the point. Do you, do you feel as though like planning ahead is more important for those who seem to, you know, lack that discipline, but whereas those who, are these you know overachievers? It's almost like the go with the flow is seems to be more better psychologically for. I think folks a like little that. bit of both. So I'm not sure. If, I yeah. can't remember if I mentioned this back in January, but one of the other really interesting thing that's happened in my life in the last couple of years is realizing um, that basically realizing that I have ADHD and mm. learning to incorporate that into the way that I work, into the way that I process things. Um, it's interesting what you say about is it better to go with the flow if you're this type of person and plan at that. And for me, it's been this really interesting parallel experience with the way that I write as well. Uh, when I first started writing most of my novels, I did with, I'm not going to say completely into the dark without an outline, It's but it's like I knew the end point. I knew where I wanted to get with the story. And then as I was writing, I would sort of know a couple of chapters ahead of what was going to happen for the next couple of chapters. And that was it. And it was just sort of that gradual moving forward process through. And then I switched to a different process and fully outlined a couple of novels and did that because I knew that structure and scene structure was a little bit of a weakness of mine. So I wanted to really focus on that consciously. And it's interesting that now that I've done that and I've come back slowly to writing, I'm trending back more toward how I used to write when I was a new writer and doing that sort of just a couple of chapters ahead. And I feel that the same with that as with this overall business planning and, and goal setting for the year is that it's been a really, really valuable process for me to have experienced both ways of doing things. And I think that because I have experimented with that detailed outlining and that detailed planning, both of, you know, books and business at a higher level, I think that that has really upskilled me. And so now when I can go with the flow, it's with a lot more expertise behind me and a lot more understanding of the pitfalls maybe and the things to watch out for as I'm going that I definitely didn't have that knowledge beforehand. And I, I don't know that I would have gained that knowledge, at least not as quickly, if I hadn't mm. experimented with using more structured ways of organizing myself in the interim. Do you have any predictions on your creativity, if, uh, how much when you come out of this chrysalis of sorts, um, how it will affect, say, like your, your, your writing style or some of your creativity? I don't know. I, I'm really interested to see. I'm hoping, yeah. I'm really hoping that it will allow me to engage with writing more often. Um, mm. What I have discovered through 
researching a lot of other writers and just paying attention to a lot of other writers' processes and things like that, I apparently actually write very fast. Um, I think we've talked about the fact that for a while there, instead of tracking my word count, I tracked my time spent writing. Uh, and I had my little squares in the back of my diary that I was colouring in for every 15 minutes that I did writing. I'd colour in my little squares in my diary. And I have a very detailed spreadsheet that has like several years worth of data in it now to show what my average writing speed is because I would keep track of my word count as well because I'm too paranoid not to. <laughs> you know, the focus was the time spent writing. And so it's, it's great because I've got all of this really solid. And that's I think that's yet again another example of like having gone at it really free form and then gone into some structure to get more data and to give myself a better grounding and understanding. And now that I have that data and that understanding, I can go back into free flow again because I know that in a 15-minute session I can write 450 to 550 words. And if you add all of those 15-minute sessions up, I, I plan on an average of 2,000 words an hour. And apparently wow. that's quite a lot. So, so I'm really hoping that, you know, I'm still really settling in to the rhythms of this new job that I'm doing. And there are some more changes to that coming again early next year as well that I'm going to need to account for to sort of shift and settle into. But I'm really hoping that once I get settled into that, I am going to be able to have a lot more designated time for that writing and for those 15-minute sprints, you know, because it doesn't it doesn't take too long for 15-minute sprints of 500 words to start adding up quite quickly if I'm able to integrate that more consistently throughout my week. So I'm really hopeful that it will mean that I can start finishing novels a lot more frequently because let's be honest I have not finished a novel since early 2020 maybe it was 2019 in fact even it's been a long while anyway put it that way <laughs> um yeah so I'm I'm really keen to have some more consistent engagement with with writing in my life on a regular basis I just obviously I love it because that's why I choose to do it but I also just feel for me Particularly, like, a lot of people with ADHD really struggle with the whole concept of meditation because our brain is so busy constantly. Mm. It's just like I can't I can't clear out space to not have a thought because I don't even understand what that feels like. Like, I'm thinking even when I'm asleep, it feels like half the time. So for me, writing actually puts me into that real meditative state of mind where I can't focus on any of my own problems and I can't focus on any of my own thoughts and my brain really is just focused on creating that world in front of me and so I feel better and I feel mentally more healthy and more stable when I'm able to engage in that regularly just as I imagine people who mm. regularly engage in meditation feel if you're the kind right. of person meditation works for you know so right. yeah but in terms now, of how it impacts my style I don't know we'll see right. I'm as excited to see as you are was this like a self-diagnosis or were you diagnosed with ADHD I have not pursued formal diagnosis because there is an incredible cost associated in the state where I live. Okay. Um, but it was my, my son's school approached us about him and prompted okay. us to begin that investigation. And in the process right. of that, it was a process of very much, well, that's not ADHD. I do that. Well, that's not ADHD. I do that. And then eventually <laughs> it was like, hmm, I think I see what's going on here. <laughs> and um, it's become something that, let's just say it resonates with many members of my extended family. Yeah. Does that feel like it's almost uh, a, a relief to 
kind of be able to identify with that? Very much so. Um, there was a little bit of disappointment, I think, as well, purely because there were some thought patterns and behaviors and things like that, that I guess I kind of had in my head that I would be able to like muscle my way through and train myself out of, you know? And right. so to have that really confronting understanding of, well, actually, maybe this is just an integral part of who I am. And I'm actually going to need to deal with this for the rest of my life, particularly because consistency is a thing that ADHD is really struggle with, right? So the idea of something that I have to do consistently all the time, particularly like daily chores and things like that is gross, disgusting, ick, get it off me now, right? So I was like, no, but surely I can just like work hard and break this habit and then I won't have to deal with this. And to be told then or to come to that understanding and realisation that, yeah, actually this is something I'm going to have to grapple with for the rest of my life, there was a, there was an initial feeling of disappointment there. But mm -hmm. the more that I lean into it and the more that I study it and the more that I understand the ways that it permeates so much of my thinking and so many of my attitudes and the way that I engage with the world, it's become a really, really helpful paradigm to be able to pass all of that through, you know, and to say, oh, that's actually why I struggle with this. So there are specific strategies that I can put in place to support that. And okay, that's actually the underlying cause of that particular thing. So let's address the underlying cause now rather than having to just work on the symptomatic level, you know? So yeah, I think I think ultimately it's been really empowering for me. Right. And then, so as somebody that, as a creative, uh, what are some of the ways you'd be able to utilize this as, um, in, uh, to, to your benefit in, in a way? Yeah, for sure. I mean, some of the real strengths of the ADHD mindset is that hyper-focus and the fact that when you do find something that you're interested in, you mm -hmm. can very, very quickly become an expert in it because you've got that. So the ADHD attention is very... Uh, interest-based. It's not that it's actually an attention deficit at all, despite the fact that right. that's in the name. It's that attention is entirely interest-based. And so if you're not interested in something and you can't find a personal connection in it, it's like, you know, the the old gif now of the nope octopus where it's just like crawling along the bottom and it's just like, nope, 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 nope. That is what my brain feels like when I'm trying to force it to engage with something that bores me. And I'm just, I'm really, really lucky because we have no control over what we're born interested in, you know. I'm just incredibly lucky that general knowledge and, and the way the world works is a thing I'm interested in. And so, of course, in school, that helps because I'm interested right. in the way the world works and all the different ways you can put that together. And likewise, in teaching, it was really beneficial because I could fixate on a topic and become an expert really quickly. ADHDers are often really good at teaching as well because once we once we know that that's what's going on, we can become quite meta about our thought processes. And so it's quite easy for me to break down, oh, well, these are the steps that it took me to get to this point so I can teach you those steps, you know? Oh, wow, yeah. So, yeah, in terms of creativity, I mean, it's it's the source of all of these like thousand and one projects that are going on all at once. Right. So learning, I guess, to be a lot more and some of the strategy work that I've been doing this year as well is learning to be a lot more purposeful in how I direct that and go, OK, I have this fantastic ability to generate ideas really quickly and to come up with lots of things that I'm interested in and passionate about. How can I be more strategic in how I apply that or even how I sequence them 
and go, mm. okay, yes, these great ideas, but those need to come after these ideas rather than just getting distracted and halfway through and going to all these other ideas. How can I be more strategic in, in sequencing those exactly, you know, drawing on my skills as a teacher? How would I sequence this for a student if I wanted them to have effective outcomes? Okay, well, how, how do I sequence that for myself to sort of harness those highlights, you know, those strengths without falling prey to the pitfalls of that way of thinking as well, you know? So, yeah, it's right. very much an ongoing process, but we'll get there. We'll get there. It's, is it almost like you're saying like like almost like a light bulb kind of went off? Like you're thinking about all of like your how-to books, yes. almost to the point where like you say like you, you're hyper-focused on learning about it and you decided yeah. to kind of like reteach some of that. That's it. Exactly. Yeah, exactly yeah. like that. Yeah, that's, that's made it even more important to me that I do work on healing this burnout that I'm in as well because mm. when I'm tired, I struggle so much more. The, the negative side of ADHD comes to the front so much more and so much more overwhelmingly when I am tired. So, right. yeah, added layer of motivation there to make sure that I rest myself. Where, where's your go-to place to kind of reset on your daily or weekly basis? Um, I actually have. Do I have one of them here? I do here. So this is... I'm not affiliated in any way, but I literally credit this tool with changing my life this year. It's called the Elegant Excellence Journal, and it's put out by a woman called Hilary Rushford who runs a company called Dean Street. Um, and it's very – so it's designed as a weekly journal and it's really designed to support that development of strategic thinking and strategic planning in yourself and to really confront you, I guess – with what you are trying to do on a weekly basis and whether that is too much or whether it's actually achievable. And then there are also monthly, quarterly and six monthly check-ins throughout the journal as well that take it to that next strategic level of, okay, but what is your long-term goal here? Okay, but are these actually serving the wow. purpose of that long-term? So this is not the only tool that I've been using this year in terms of building my strategic thinking skills, but it is definitely a really important one. And I find having that as a reset at the end of every week. And I come to it either on like a Friday night or a Saturday night or a Sunday morning, just whenever I get to it sometime in that period to just check in and be like, okay, but have I actually, I've done lots this week. I'm really good at doing lots. I am like, I am excellent at doing lots. <laughs> but are the things that I've done this week actually things that I value? Are they moving me toward things that I care about? Are they moving me towards long-term goals? Are they demonstrating the values that I have about what's most important in life? You know, so yeah, having that weekly check-in to just reset, reground. And I love as well that one of the questions that it prompts you with every week is what do you want to be proud of in this coming week? Mm. And it's been so interesting for me looking back every single week to a week ago, because again, like, the ADHD time blindness is ridiculous. Last week might as well be two months ago. It just, it's gone. Once it's happened, it's gone, right? Mm. So to, to check in with myself from a week ago and say, oh, hey, I actually predicted that this was going to be a really tiring, busy week. And I said that I was going to be proud of doing nothing in my spare time and just resting. Oh, hey, all right, okay. I wasn't completely unproductive. I just did what I said that I was going to do. Great, all right. <laughs> Thanks, past me. That's that's well done, you know? <laughs> so, 
Yeah, even just that simple question of like, what am I going to be proud of this week? And then revisiting that to be like, oh, yeah, okay, right. It was my intention to do that this week. Good on me, you know? Yeah, it's really uplifting and empowering and, um, yeah, I love it. Right. And so how are you – and so talking about some of the stuff of like part of your reset is like how are – how are you being able to, cause you, you wear these two, you not only are you a writer, but you also have this, as we say, like the business, the business perspective of it. What are some of the things that you're adjusting with say with like, with that, uh, with that uh, imprint press and things like that? So imprint press has always been a bit of an, bit of an interesting one because the entire reason that I started it in the first place was because I needed that flexibility. And I knew very, very early on that I was not going to be able to commit to working to someone else's schedule because if their dates happened to conflict with a particularly busy week in teaching where I was doing lots of marking and reporting and assessment, I would not be able to guarantee that I could hit someone else's deadlines. So the way that Inkprint Press has been set up from the very beginning is designed to be responsive and flexible to my needs and to Liana's needs as we go along. And... Although that was always the goal from the outset, I recognise that I have a little bit of a habit of falling back on digital organisation when I'm stressed. You can tell I'm stressed because I'll spend half an hour in my calendar just randomly rearranging things, right? And the Inkprint Press schedule falls prey to this also. And so I would sit there and, like, project out and be like, well, if I could write four books every year then this would happen and this would happen and this would happen and that would be the schedule, right? And, of course, that doesn't happen. So I have to then go and redo it. So part of it is learning to relax on that front a little bit, which is why it's going to be interesting next year. So we've had, I've had this discussion with Liana and said, look, there really is no actual purpose to us putting things into the schedule until we hand the draft in because that's the point of Ink for Impress is that It's designed to be there as a support tool so that we can write flexibly around the needs of our lives and we don't have to be finishing things to a specific deadline, to which Liana was like, that's cool, but I need you to give me a deadline anyway, just so I I can do that. That's fine. Um, Yeah. And then so pairing that also with a lot of the business study that I've done this year and really coming to the understanding. So a lot of businesses talk about the two aspects of, having a business where you are selling stuff, whether that's products or services, is you need to find people and you need to sell people, right? You've got your marketing, you've got your sales. And really coming to the realization that because I am wearing all of these different hats in the business, I actually have a third season, which is creating things as well. I have create, find, sell, not just find, sell. And so for me, learning, I I would love to get to a point in the future where I can be doing two of those things at once, you know, and and have a, a dual focus on these are the two bits of that business that we're focusing on right now. But at the moment, coming to that real understanding that I am exhausted, I am burnt out, I am trying to heal from that, which means I can pick one of the three, one of the three. I can be creating or finding or selling. And so next year is going to be very much a focus on wrapping up old projects mm. and then moving into a creation phase you know, I've got two series that are sitting there incomplete that have been sitting there incomplete for the last two to three years. And I would really, really like to prioritize getting both of those series finished 
And also at the same time, you know, the Inklets is coming to a close now, which I'm so excited about because, oh, my gosh, I sat down and did a count back in, was it like August or September, something like that, and did a count of how many hours had actually gone into the creation of that series because this is this is the other ADHD thing again right it's like oh my gosh this is a shiny idea we should commit to this and do it forever because it's amazing without really actually stopping to take stock of the fact that maybe there is an implication here a time implication and that maybe this is chewing a lot of my life so anyway I figured out that to that point I think it had taken me about 750 hours just to do the base work of edit the inklets, format the inklets, get them up wow. in the book for sale. And to sort of wrap your mind around what that looks like, that looks like a full work day every Saturday and Sunday for a year. Wow. And I did that over four years while I was teaching full time and teaching routinely is a 50 to 60 hour work week. So Jeez, I'm like, yeah. No wonder I'm tired. <laughs> and also, I'm glad we made the decision to wrap the inklets up at 100. So the last <laughs> inklet comes out on the 15th of February. I'm very excited. All of the things for the prints and the ebooks are now completely done. I think they're all up with all of our library distributors as well, which is even more exciting. And the final thing that we're doing is that, which has just come on screen now, is that collection um, that we're putting together we decided to do a hardcover collection of all 107 stories because even though there's only wow. 100 seven of them are double issues. So there's 107 stories. Um, I'm just in the final stages of formatting it at the moment, actually, and it's going to be 778 pages at wow. a 16 hardcover size. It's about 235,000 words. So that is going out to the early supporters from our Kickstarter that we had a couple of months ago. Right. Uh, it should go out to them around February, March, and then it'll be available for sale in August. And then that's it. That's all the inklets done forever. And I'm just like, think of the amount of time that that's going to free up for working on other projects. So, yeah, next year will be very much about finishing off projects like that. There's some things that we want to do to sort of increase the reach of the distribution of our main titles as well, like get those out to libraries, get them available in a hardcover format as well and things like that. Um, we're experimenting with Google's AI audio at the moment for the inklets, which has been heaps of fun. Oh, wow. So, yeah, if you go over to Google Play in their little bookstore there, a few of our inklets are available as... AI narrated audio and um, I've got a sort of a timeline next year for getting the rest of those up throughout the course of the year as well and that's been heaps of fun to experiment with. Because you've been very, you and Leanna have been very, very proactive in making sure that all your works are accessible because uh, you right. also did some Braille as well, correct? Yeah, yeah. Well, there's a, a company that we made contact with a couple of years ago in America who does Braille translations and we just got quotes for them for the different lengths of the book and then it's just print on demand basically so if anyone wants braille copies of our books we can just get back in contact with this company and they will print it all up and postage is free because it's you know postage for the blind free mail and um yeah braille versions of our books there which is really cool yeah so i have to ask though is one of your projects you want to try to finish up is your is your myers-briggs fantasy book Ah, oh, interesting you should ask about that. So 
obviously, right, my two priorities are to get the Storm Foxes series um, done, which I was so hoping that was going to be a duology. I really did not want it to be a trilogy, but darn it all, I did some plotting work on that earlier this year and it is going to be a trilogy. So that's a thing. Um, that's got two books to go. I, there is also a prequel to the series, which has been fully drafted and is just waiting for the other books to come out before I release it. And then there is the Kadidios series, which is sitting open at the moment, which has the first book out and there are another four books in the main line of that series. And I am... Wow over halfway through drafting the next book. So those are my big priorities to focus on. But kicking around in the background as well is this book called Moonshot, which several years ago, I can't remember how it came up, but I found myself in the situation where I promised an entire class full of year eight students <laughs> that I would put them all in a book, right? And then I was right. like, okay, that's great, but how do you write a book with 25 main characters? What have I done? <laughs> And with a lot of creative thinking and problem solving around it, I came to the conclusion that I would write it in the style of the word that apparently I can never pronounce properly. I say epistolary. Huh. Apparently it's like epistolary or something like that, which I think is just awkward. So it's epistolary. It's not. But, that's what I say. <laughs> but you know, like different text types, so letters and emails and all those sorts of things. So that's okay. how that would be told. And Moonshot is actually the prequel that kicks off that whole Maya Briggs world, um, which is called the Witch Blue Universe. Right. Yeah. In the meantime, there is actually a book in that universe out. It's Rush Job, which is my sci-fi heist novella. Um, and it's from the perspective of one of the people who don't have the magic, who call themselves, you know, the, the people who Moonshot tells the story of how these people left Earth in the first place, the people with these abilities. I say magic. Mm. It is sci-fi. Yeah. It, you know, it's like Star Wars. It's sci-fi fantasy, really. Right. Um, so the people with these abilities leave Earth, go off, colonise space, and you end up with colonised space having regular humans and the witches who have these abilities based on their Maya Briggs personality type. Rush Job is told in that future. And it is set from the perspective of regular humans um, with something that happens that I won't spoil that threatens to give the witches control over colonised space again, which, of course, the regular humans don't want. Right. So, yeah. yeah. If you want a taste of that world, you can go and read Rush Job. Otherwise, Moonshot, look. The students that I promised it to all graduate at the end of next year, I would adore for it to be like at least first drafted to be a graduation present for them. As we've said, I'm not allowed to make plans next year because my plan is <laughs> to recover. So we'll see what happens. Um, right. But it shouldn't be too much further away. I really struggle to write two books in the same series back to back. My brain likes okay. having them. So at the moment, my plan is to finish up the second book of the Kididios series and then I'll go book two of Storm Foxes and then I'll go book three of Kididios and then it'll either be, I mean, the sensible way to do it would, would then be to wrap up Storm Foxes, go book four of Kididios and then Moonshot and then book five of Kididios and use Moonshot at the end there to break up four and five. All right. So it's in the queue. It's in the queue. We'll just there have you to go. see how quickly I can get back to these 15-minute 
<laughs> well, perfect. So, 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 Amy, uh, for those that are interested in, in, in learning more about their works, you they can still go to amylawrence.com, correct? Sporadically updated. But yes, you you do you do update it, yeah, and and then also if they're interested, they could also go to Inkprint Press as well, yeah. and there, um, your 107 fantasy science fiction short short stories. That's the one. The the hardcover man, that's 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 pretty cool. Yeah, I'm really yeah. So they can go to Inkprint Press, Inkprintpress.com. They can go there. Yeah. All right, Inkprint Press will have everything that's currently available for sale. Amy Lawrence is where to go if you want news and announcements about upcoming things and just general shenanigans, basically. <laughs> That's right. You have your, yep, you got your your blog post on there and everything. Yep. Yep. Cool. Yes. Perfect. Well, yes. listen, Amy, you got to come back on. Like, yeah, you're good. You got to come back on more often. I just can't. I would this love was, this to. Was a, this was a big drought. Yeah. Yeah. This was, a, this was an Amy drought. I, you, you were uh, on for almost a year. Aww, yeah. I feel I feel yeah. missed and appreciated. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> you were missed. You were missed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, I love, right. coming, love coming, love being here. I'm very, very excited at the prospect of having um better availability moving forward into the future now. So yeah, yeah. That's we'll have right. to pick another yes. prime number. You said this was episode 232, and I'm like, it's a nice number. It's, it's aesthetic. I'm I'm happy with that, but it's not a prime number. And all the others have That's been true. prime numbers. So yeah. we have to, right. have to work on that for the future. <laughs> it's true, yeah. <laughs> all right. Thanks a lot, Amy. No worries. Thanks so much for having me. I've already, I already had somebody who's been on five times before you, but so, yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm, uh, but you're right up there though. All right. Let me made get these exclusive ranks. You know. That's right. You are. You made the exclusive ranks. That's right. <laughs> <laughs>